Take your Bibles open to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You ever find yourself arguing with the Lord? I was doing that this week. I, I uh, said, Lord, I really, uh, I think I need to preach on this uh, Israel stuff. Because you know, Lord, I'm pretty good like that. And the Lord had the audacity to say no. And he really uh, assured me, he said, I got this, uh, but you need to get this. And so he started talking to me about something a little bit different. Uh, but I, I do believe, in, and this really all ties in what we're going to talk about today a little bit, but whether you realize it or not, we live in a day where there is this low, um, kind of under-the-radar anxiety that everyone is living with. Because the world is changing at a rapid pace, like uh, unlike any time in our history. And we look at the different things that are going on, anything from obviously, you know, the, the war in, that's going on in Israel and Palestine. And, uh, and of course, then you, you listen to the people saying this is the start of World War III. And uh, we live in a time where inflation is at such a rate that you know, the millennials can't buy houses. There's uh, even political division in political parties. We have, uh, of course, inter uh, artificial intelligence, which is going to not only take overtake the world, uh, it's going to uh, uh, take out all of humanity, because if you're old enough to watch Terminator, you just know that to be true. We struggle with, do we work at home or do we work at the workplace? Do we uh, do a hybrid thing? Uh, and, and, of course, now we're also being told that there's going to be many of the Americans who are going to run out of money by the end of 2023. And, and without even realizing it, as all of that, it continues to just be thrust upon us, not just daily, but if you're, if you're an average American, you're going to your phone for Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, TikTok, uh, you know, a number of times an hour. Every time you have a free moment and you don't know what to do with yourself, you go there and what you find is that messaging keeps coming at you. So without even realizing it, you, there's this low level anxiety that exists. Of course, I think what really set it in motion was COVID and the fact where we just kind of looked around at different times and we just recognized the world was not going to be like it once was. There's a, there, we live in a much different world than, uh, and I don't know about you, I'm, I'm at the age where, you know, I can walk into a room and forgot why I walked in there. But we kind of just now separate time between post-COVID and Pre-COVID, right? Oh, well, that was before COVID, uh, or that came after COVID. It was it's such an impactful part of our life that it just become, became a very normal thing for us. And of course, we know that um, Jesus said that these times would come before he came back. But there's another dynamic that Jesus talked about that would come that we're also living in, whether you realize it or not. Jesus said in the last days, the love of many would wax cold. Now, in that scripture... Uh, really what the, Jesus is saying is that there was a time where they weren't cold, where they were, they were on fire. And if you have ever witnessed a candle, you recognize that when the fire is burning, the wax melts. But we live in a day where there were people that were once on fire for the Lord. They were once full of love and they shined the light of Jesus rather directly or indirectly in such a way that people took note. But, but, there, but because of life circumstance, people slowly begin to turn away from uh, that light and life of Jesus. 
and begin to live after their own passions rather than really having a passion and being passionate for Jesus. Uh, John said it this way. He said the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So Jesus is saying to me, no, just stay the course. And I think he's saying that to all of us, stay the course. Because there's always going to be things now that are going to be popping up that, that are going to want to divert our attention, that's going to want to get us to a place where we are looking at something else. Because the enemy is always working to distract us from God's plan and purpose and his ultimate desire for each and every one of our lives. As we, as we live and love and learn this dynamic of the Jesus life that's not just found on a Sunday morning, but it's found every day, everywhere, with everyone that we meet. Because we're in this ever-expanding, growing, and dynamic relationship with the Lord. And when I think about Bethel and the season that Bethel is in, I'm excited because we really are in a season that really is this dynamic spiritual uh, growth that is happening throughout Bethel. We are seeing God's activity in, an, I believe, in an ever-increasing manner. Every week I bring up this little, little chart that shows the different uh, places where we have life groups that are taking place. And, and from this, uh, you, you find that it's not just on Sunday, but throughout the week. This week we had eight groups, 64 people met in groups that uh, really came together and uh, uh, just said, what is the activity of Jesus in my life? What am I hearing? What is God doing? And, and from that flows a life that really is living Jesus's life. I was excited to hear the story of, uh, it was actually the same person I mentioned last week, led two more people to Jesus using a little, a little book that we have about uh, picturing one-on-one -on -one mentoring. Uh, because ministry is happen, happens throughout our week. It doesn't happen just on Sunday morning. Is there ministry that happens on Sunday morning? Absolutely. But what we're discovering is that igniting change isn't about a specific place that we meet on Sunday, but it's everywhere we go. And so I get, I get really excited because when, if, if you look at the, the cards in front of you, you always see three. When you hear me preach, you always hear me talk about three things. Connect, grow, and go. Because when Christians come together, there is a dynamic of transformation that can happen no other place. So if you if you're to go to if you're to go to Vietnam where it's illegal to, to gather in most places, the, the church that is growing in the most dynamic meets in secret. But, but they, they meet in secret because they understand that there is a dynamic that happens when the body of Christ comes together. So whether you're coming together on a Sunday morning or you're coming together on a life group, we believe that three things happen. You connect, you connect with each other, but, but more than that, you find that you're informed and you're inspired. And that causes you to want to grow. And when you grow, you're trained and transformed. That causes you to now say, I'm going to go. I'm going to be different. There's, a, there's a now a new dynamic of my life where now I'm going to go and minister or I'm going to go and mentor people that I come in contact with. We understand that that for us, for Bethel, that's the path for igniting change, which is why we preach it. It's why our announcements come around it. It's why we are constantly encourage people to connect, to grow, and to go in the places that the Lord would have us, because you people will go into places where I'll never be able to go. You're going to be in places that other people are never going to be able to go, but Jesus ends up going in there. So with that, I want us to kind of transition into 2 Corinthians chapter 3, but you're going to find that we're going to all come back to the same dynamic. Here, Paul is writing, and love this portion of Scripture. Verse 12, he says, Since we have such a hope, we are bold. 
Very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so the, that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Now, let me stop here just for a minute. Because he's referencing a time where Moses would go up the mountain. And, and, and for those that were at the base of the mountain, they would look at the, the mountain and then they would see a glory, whether it was fire or cloud, whatever it was, they would see that there and, and it, would, it would cause them to tremble. But Moses went right up in the middle of that and he had this conversation with God. And, 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 and here's the thing, when he came back down to the people, his face glowed. I always joke that I probably saw like, you know, just a hair of God and it ended up on the top of my head. And that's why I just had that one spot. But Moses, he, he was so transformed that when he came, people looked at him and it, and it bothered them. It was, it was this relational component where there were people around him that said, we can't handle that. And so he literally, like, like in what you would see in, in some of the streams of uh, the Muslim faith where the women wear the burqas, where the only thing you see is their eyes. He would wear this veil to keep them from seeing the incredible transformation that the glory of God did in his physical body. And so, Paul goes on and says, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, all we all, if it's written with the Texas uh, vernacular, we with unveiled faces, behold, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Which brings me to the title of the sermon, Coram Dio, which is Latin for before the face of God. So the scripture says, I want you to get this. So the scripture says, when we turn. So just, you know, just turn towards something different. Just, there's this act where you turn. It says, when we turn. And specifically, when we turn toward God. I want you to get this. When we turn toward God, something is taken away. What's taken away? A veil. And the veil that is taken away is a veil that has kept us from seeing. And when we don't see, there's no transformation. Because he says, when the veil is talk, taken away, we see. And what does it say we see? It, we see the glory of the Lord, and then what happens? We are what? Transformed. We're changed. In fact, that word trans, uh, transformed is really, another way of putting it, they could very easily have put in our word remodeled. How many of you need remodeled in your life? Okay. Now, I, you know, I'm, I'm just getting to the age where I need, I need a complete overhaul. But that's, you know, that's the resurrected body. But, but in this bone, in this flesh, 
Just like when you go into an older home, what do you do? You remodel it to modernize it, to make it, make it new and fresh, right? And so what Paul is saying is that when we turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away, and there's this transformation. There's this remodeling that happens in our life because we've experienced the glory of God. Now, here's, here's really the connect. And, I, and I, I'm going to believe that the majority of people of you are going to go, yep, I believe this wholeheartedly. And it's simply this. When God is in our midst, formation is possible. You agree with that? I, I think we agree with that. Hey, listen, whenever God, whenever God is with us, and we know God's with us, everything's all right, isn't it? Whenever God is in our midst, formation or the remodeling or the transformation becomes something that happens. Now, I want to I give a couple stories because I want to re- kind of reference them. They're personal stories. Some of you have heard some of these stories before. I was in, I was in a, a, a revival setting. And uh, uh, Clarissa was sitting to my left. Uh, my pastor and his wife were sitting to my right. And the room is about 3,000 people, roughly. And uh, as the preacher is uh, preaching, uh, I have no other frame of reference to explain what happened to me in this moment. I, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I'm listening. At the, the worship service was incredible. I, I just, you know, just imagine Jesus riding in there on a white horse ready to kind of take the day. And as we're sitting down, as literally I'm sitting down, and in fact, let me even go before that. As we're worshiping, uh, I, I'm, I've got my hands in the air and all of a sudden something just went. And this is going to sound funny. It irritated me. Because it distracted me from the worship. So much so that I I literally leaned over the chair in front of me. And it happened again. I'm like, what is going on? And and, and at that same time, the the preacher comes and has everybody sit down. As I'm sitting down, what happens next lasted two weeks. And what happened was, and I have no other way to explain it other than if you've ever blown up uh, an air mattress or a rubber raft. You know that pump thing that you, you use your foot on to blow it up, you know? I felt like the Spirit of God had connected one right here. And God would go, and I would have such an overwhelming feeling of God's Spirit is there was only three ways I could react. This lasted two weeks. Three ways I could react. I cried, I laughed, and I shook. Clarissa wanted to disown me because... I all of a sudden started having everybody in the room going, what's wrong with that guy? So much so that the preacher said, is everything okay? Do we need to come and have someone removed? Another time, I'm, I'm, I'm at the same place, and, and it was another night, and I'm seeking the Lord, and it's altar time, and and the Lord said to me, this guy's gone on to be with the Lord's name, is uh, Steve Hill. Uh, the Lord said, I want you to go to him, and he's going to pray for you, and he's going to give you an anointing to preach the gospel. Now, if you've ever been at a revival where the power of God is so strong that the altars are so packed that Christians are literally rude, you ever experienced this? It's crazy, because everyone wants to get prayed for so much, they'll elbow you, they'll push you, They'll, you know, they'll move you to the side because everyone is wanting to experience and touch the glory. And so I would, I would say if it was this side, I'd come down over here to pray. And then he'd move over there. And I would kind of try to move. And I finally got, again, just a little bit tired of it. And um, 
And I said, God, I'm done with this. And the moment I said that, Steve Hill turns and said, you're seeking after anointing. Don't you dare give up. And so I did. I kept pressing. Another story has nothing to do with church at all. It has to do with uh, one of my best friends in all my life, gone on to be with Jesus. Again, I've talked about this gentleman a number of times. His name is Les Binko. When I was a sales manager for a company, I hired him, and we started to get to know each other, and, and, I, and I started talking to him about Jesus in my life, and, and unbeknownst to me, he would go home with his bourbon and his Bible, and uh, he began to explore and investigate the, the Jesus life, and, uh, and without ever telling me, he gave his life to Jesus. How could you do that? You've got to tell me. But over time, obviously, and he, he says, you led me to the Lord. And, I'm, and I have the traditional Christian thinking that you're only led to the Lord is if I help you pray the sinner's prayer. Now, Jesus is much bigger than our methods, right? And so, so he came to the Lord. And, and, and we actually, not only did I hire him in that company, but over time, that company kind of just through a series, they ended up disbanding. And, uh, but I actually went to work for another company, and I hired him again. And at the second company, I worked actually for this company for 16 years. Uh, but for at least three years, every day, Les and I would go for a walk. And, and this is in Phoenix. And it didn't matter if it was June. Uh, a lot easier to walk in January. Uh, but uh, we would walk. And we would talk about... Now, this can be hard for some of you to imagine that I would talk about this kind of thing. What Jesus was saying to us and what Jesus was doing through us. That's what we talked about every day. He, eventually, he moved to Arkansas, and we talked once a week. And then he moved back to, to the valley and lived with Clarissa and I, where him and his wife were looking for a house to buy, and, and, and we talked. Why do I bring these stories up? The reason I bring these stories up is because transformation, it's this, it's this, um, it's, it's these two ingredients that come together that I want to get, get you today. There's the power of the Spirit, and there's the personal prompting. There's the power of the Spirit and the personal prompting. And a casual reading over this scripture, you would miss the personal prompting part. You would think, as most people do, that all this scripture is saying is we look to the Lord, we experience His glory, and we're changed. And anyone that has a Pentecostal background or has been in any kind of Pentecostal uh, church for very long, just believes in the power of the altar call. Just come to the altar call, and all of your problems will be solved. How's that worked for you? Now, I've had powerful moments, as I explained, powerful moments at the altar. But the greatest form of transformation for me was not the supernatural hose, spirit hose that was hooked up to me. It, it wasn't even the, the, the laying of hands for the anointing of preaching. It was when literally I walked day after day with someone that was in this living, learning relationship with Jesus where transformation happened. That scripture says, we all. M Moses had to cover up. But God's intention is that we all mirror, I want you to get this, we mirror the glory of God. We mirror the glory of God. And in this reflecting of the glory of God, 
Whenever I'm with a Christian, that means even though Cloris is, you know, isolated because of COVID this weekend, when I'm with my wife, okay, it may not seem like it at times. And there are probably times she looks at me and wants to get rid of me. The reality is, is we are mirroring or reflecting the glory of God. So as we've looked up, the glory has changed and we look toward others and we see that change. When I am with you guys, God is in our midst. Now, this is the place where transformation happens. And I'm going I'm to challenge some of your, your, your Pentecostal church theology with a scripture today. And if I've not challenged you and you just toss it to the side, that's, you, you're free to do that. But there are three areas that we need to grow in this area. And the first one is belief. Because everything, you got to get this, everything in your life, everything in my life starts with a belief. And belief is absolutely, positively a choice. Jesus told Thomas, he said, he said, stop doubting and believe. He didn't say, I would give you the spirit so you could believe. He said, stop doubting and believe. Now, let me take it a step further. Every issue in your life, every issue in my life, and they are, we all have issues. I'm not giving you my top 10 list. That's not what I'm here for, but I have them. And every one of my issues are based off a belief. The reason the enemy lies is he's trying to build a belief system in you that will keep you from growing into the likeness and the radiance of Jesus Christ. Back in the day, listen, the, the reality is I smoked. When I came to Jesus, I still smoked. I smoked because I believed smoking calmed me down. I believed I needed to be calmed down. Some of you are going, well, no, it's because you're addicted. No, I, I, I smoked because I believed something. Every person that gossips, gossip because they believe something. They believe that there's power in their knowledge of another person. Every person who, who as, I, as I said a couple weeks ago, will take and sacrifice their children on the altar of their, of their career believes something. Every person that finds themselves to be really timid and not outspoken believes something about themselves. Every person that has an inflated ego believes something about themselves. Usually the people around them don't believe it, but they believe it. Every person that has an affair believes something. They believe that there's something there. Belief is a, is a reason many Christians do not live out what they say they believe. The reason Christians stopped really being transformed is they believe they've arrived. Is there an issue someone's going to... I'm thinking, I'm thinking let him go. And we could become the modern-day Ray Charles song. Some of you of age understand that statement. <laughs> the Lord will always use someone to challenge your belief. I didn't get it this week. I had, a, I had a phone call. It started with a text. 
my, my previous assistant uh, in Arizona texted me and said, this person's trying to get a hold of you. And, and she gave me the name, and, and I'm, I'm trying to, again, put, put in my mind who this person was. Then it came to me. It was a person that was uh, at our church probably 12 years ago uh, and was at our church for a very short time. And, uh, and so I got her number, and I called her. And she's now 82, and she lives with her daughter. And, and she says to me, she said, you know, I've, I've had this experience in my bedroom two days in a row, and, and it had to do with you. And I said, okay. Um, you know, you get in these calls, you don't know what you're getting into. And I, okay, Lord, well, that's fine. Uh, and, um, and she goes, but the problem was is that I didn't know, couldn't remember your last name. I knew you moved to Texas, and I don't know how I'm going to look for a Richard in Texas. And so she did work to actually get, get my number, find out where I was at. And she said, for two days, the glory of God came into my room and said one thing over and over and over and over again. Tell him I love him. 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 And, you know, me and my good pastorly poker voice went, okay, that's nice, cool. God, I have no idea what to do that. It's not like I feel like I'm not loved by the Lord. But here's a person who, in the face of Christ Jesus, now is reflecting what they've received. So I have to step back and make a belief choice. You know what the Lord said to me? He said, you have been under attack thinking that you're not loved because the world and the church world is trying to get your love to wax cold. But I love you. Now, I had a choice to make in that moment. Well, I had a couple choices. One, if I was even to share this. But I had to make a choice of belief. Because I've never been a person that, that really just says, you know, I'll just leave you at arm's length, forget you. But just the attacks over the last year have been as such to where I'm just like, why bother? Let me tell you something. If the Lord would have said, Rich, you can go back to the secular world and work, I would already be there. And the reason I'd already be there is because of people. And yet, and yet, here's the thing. I, I, I'd always struggled until this moment, because I want you to get this, catch this. When I chose to believe those words, when I chose to believe he loves me, I went from a belief, and now I become something. Because that's, that's how transformation happens. You believe, and then you become. It, the, this, the, we live in a world, a Christian world, has got all backwards. If you think you've got to, you got to behave, that'll come. But the first thing is always believe. But then comes the becoming part. The scripture says, being transformed into the image from one degree of glory to another. That means it's not all at once. There's an ever-increasing dynamic of Jesus that moves into our hearts. And so for me, I'm sitting there, and, and, and I literally went for some people going, the Lord said, you want me to take him out? He, he kind of uses that language with me because I'm a guy. And I'm like, no, Lord, you've got to save them. I would not, I, I don't care what they've done to me. No one deserves eternity. I don't want to see anybody from what they've done to me, eternity in hell. That's not even a forgiveness issue. That has everything to do with the hope and desire that comes when we choose to believe. And I had a moment where I went, oh, I get it. I'm becoming a little bit more like Moses that said, if you're going to take them all out, and wipe them out, wipe me out as well. 
For years, I could never understand why anybody would ever say that. But when you choose to believe something, you start to become something. Because now you begin to take these steps where you're going, wait a minute, I'm going to partner with Jesus in his plans. It's, it's also true with water baptism. A number of people last week said they want to be water baptized. Water baptism is just a, a, simply a person that I believe, and now I have become something. And now because I've become something, I want to identify with what I've become. So you're here, and you know, if, you're, if you're in any kind of relationships in, in Bethel, hopefully somebody's asking you, you know, are you reading God's word? just hard for me to imagine anybody being in a living, loving relationship with Jesus and not reading his word. If you're not reading his word, it's because you don't believe something. But when you believe something, you start to become something. And it's added into your life in such a way to go, wait a minute, okay, if I, if I believe God loves me, I can now become a person who loves others. And what the result is, is that then our behavior begins to change. It starts with believing, then we become, and then we behave. Because now, more and more the world sees Jesus through me. In an ever-increasing fashion, my life is reflecting, mirroring the life of Jesus. So when we look at the life of Jesus, what do we see? We see, we see one who loved everyone. We see someone who would stop and care for the smallest of needs. Jesus said that if you would, if you would just even give a cold cup of water, that what would seem like the most insignificant thing now becomes a significant thing because we're reflecting the glory that has moved upon our life. So we begin to take on this responsibility of ministering and, and bringing the life of Christ to our circles of influence. I'm now, I'm now, I now, my behavior is bringing hope into the situation. I, I'm serving more. I'm, I, I'm giving. I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to, to, to save those who are, are lost around me. And this happens because now I'm in, I'm in this relationship with not only the Lord, but with other people who are spurring me on to believe and to become so that we might behave more and more like Jesus. So what do we do with this? Now, now watch, I'm going to tie this back together again. Because we, what, what, we, what we think is that, again, if you think that God has a day, God has a house, okay? God has a, a, a certain way to dress, whatever, whatever you want to put it, you're way off. Because when his glory is experienced, whether it's on Sunday or in relationships, transformation happens. And wherever the presence of the Lord is, transformation is possible. And so when, when you come together in your life groups, if you come together with the idea of transformation leaders, you're going to lead differently. It's not just a matter of let's get together and meet. No, let's get together so transformation can happen. So there's this change that can begin to happen. But for us individually, this is, this is where we go and this is where we really, really begin to change this week. There's, the first thing you always have to do when it comes to the, the transformation piece is we have to acknowledge. We have to acknowledge the fact that we don't believe. 
you just to sur- survey your life and survey the challenges that you have. If, if, if you don't believe Jesus can change outside of a Pentecostal service where the worship was perfect and the glory fell and people came to the altar, well, then your Christianity is going to be limited to that. But if you believe that Jesus is alive and active in the world, making himself known through Holy Spirit-empowered people, then you're going to go, yeah, that's me. We are God's plan A. For the world we're in, we are. And so, so God, I believe that. If you don't believe that, you've got to acknowledge it. You've got to say, God, I struggle with that. Or I struggle with timidity. I, I struggle with the fact that if people aren't coming and falling down on their hands and knees saying, I need Jesus, then I'm not going to say anything to them. Because I don't believe that it does any good. You'll never speak. But if you acknowledge to the Lord, I struggle with that belief. When they brought the demon-possessed child, the father said, Father, help my unbelief. Jesus, help my unbelief is what he said. Our unbelief keeps us from the kind of life that Jesus wants us to live on a day-in and day-out basis. But not only do we need to acknowledge, we also really then, we need to associate. Now, this is where when I first became a follower of Jesus, this is, this is just not something that uh, the American church has done for quite a long time because we went from a society that would take an apprentice to just go to class, learn it, and go do it. But the Bible is about taking someone. Discipleship is about having people around you that recognize there is a glory, a dynamic of glory in your life that is not in their life. And when you are around people like that, they begin to hunger and thirst after the glory they're seeing in your face. And so transformation comes. So you need to, you need to link with someone who will hold you accountable. Now, when I say accountable, I'm not talking about an accountability as, you know, did you live perfectly this week? No. That's, you know, it's not looking for the bad thing. It's saying, I believe I want to be a Christian that is on fire for Jesus, but I don't pray and read my Bible. Okay, great. I, I, I get where you're at. I'm glad that you're acknowledging that. But because we're associated, because we're linked, because I, I look to the glory of God and I'm transformed and I'm reflecting the glory of God toward you, let's talk next week and see how you did reading the Bible. What time of the day are you going to read the Bible? When are you going to spend time with the Lord? See, accountability is, a, is about really helping people advance in what they're really trying to become. And so in our groups, finding out the areas where we're, we're needing to advance and holding one another accountable. In one group that I was in this week, we, we talked about just this process of prayer. We're going to, five out of seven days a week, we're going to, this week we're going to just pray this way. And there was just these seven, seven steps that we were walking through. And when we get together next week, how did it go? What days did you pray? Were you able to do it the entire time? It, it's not a matter of, you know, did you good, get enough? Do you get an A? It's a matter of how do we hold each other accountable because we're associated. Because we all together, having behold the glory of God, are being changed in an ever-increasing manner as we are associated with one another. And then finally, you gotta, you got to take some of that and you got to act. you got to make some form of change in your life. If you don't make a change in your life, nothing ever changes. Because the behavior ultimately is going to end up in our hands and feet and our mouth, our eyes, whatever it is, that we're saying, Lord, this is where I want to go. I believe that you're calling me to this place. When I mentioned earlier that uh, when, I, when I started following Jesus, I, I smoked. And I, listen, 
I, I move nonstop. Even when I go to bed, I flip-flop. I'm, I'm always moving. And so it, I believe that smoking calmed me down. It was a, other than killing my lungs, was just a part of my life, right? But there came a moment, I believe the Lord was saying, I want you to let that go. I believe that. I believe, I, I really felt the Lord. It's kind of funny even how it happened. I was driving out of a wonderful service on a Sunday morning in Mesa, Arizona, probably in February, January, February. And, you know, it's beautiful weather, sky's all blue. And I, after a good service, of course you have a cigarette, right? Some of you know, you relate to where I'm at with this, because it, it's that go-to, you, that thing where you, and, and all of a sudden, I lit the cigarette in my, my little Honda Escort, and I leaned down a little bit further, because God was now challenging a belief system in me. What I did was, because then, you know, back, that was back in the day, you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, anytime there was a revival or anything in between. And so went back to church on Sunday night, and, and Mark Henniger was the youth pastor, and I said, uh, you know, God's telling me to to quit this. I want to become. But I was associated with somebody. It wasn't, it wasn't just me and God. It was me and God and others who were looking into his, his glorious faith. And Mark looked at me and went, that's great. Why don't you give me your pack of cigarettes? I said, okay. I was glad to do it. And at the end of the service, he said, this is Sunday night. How many of you remember Sunday night was not anything like Sunday morning, right? Because there's like one-third the people. And it was the faithful, you know, it was the faithful few. And he just said, Rich is quitting smoking, and we're going to put it up at the altar, and we're going to all pray for him. What do you think my next week was like every time I wanted to smoke a cigarette? See, because, because I wanted to move towards something uh, that was different, I wanted to become something different, the Lord gave me an opportunity through an association, to act differently that next week. Now, it happened to be however many were at the Sunday. I was not going to go back to that next Sunday night service and say I failed. But because I was able to say no for that week, I was able to never pick one up. I was, I was free. Because that's the way it works. Because when we look into the face of the Lord, that veil's taken away, and we behold his glory, now we are looking at others where the glory is being transferred back and forth and we are transformed from glory to glory to glory. Because whether you are just in your own time looking in the face of the Lord, or you're looking in the face of the Lord because you're looking at one of his children, one of his kids, one of his friends, change can come. But we got to make the choice. we got to acknowledge that area of belief. we got to associate ourselves with someone. And then we have to act on it. And so, Lord, would you help us? Uh, Lord, you know every area of our life that is um, needing to be remodeled. And I pray, Holy Spirit, even as you are ministering person to person in specific areas, uh, that, Lord, you would, uh, Lord, help us to, um, to address them. To, to choose to believe. It seems like such a simple thing, but certainly, Lord, it was simple when we said yes to you. We didn't have to do anything. We just said, yes, Jesus, I believe you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I may not understand it. I may look at my life and still go, and it's a wreck, but I believe it. And Lord, I pray that there are choices that are going to be made this morning in areas of our life where we say, Lord, I choose to believe so that ultimately, Lord, we can become something. And I pray that, Lord, it's in that process 
That, Lord, if there's anyone that, that has yet not really associated with somebody in, in, the, in the faith that they, can, that they can help to become what you desire each of us to become, that, Lord, they'll make that choice. They'll act even on that. So that, Lord, we might be changed from glory to glory in an ever-increasing fashion. So that, Lord, ultimately, Lord, we've, we've uh, become more like you and we are ministering and igniting change every day in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.